My guest today on the podcast, Sarah Harper. She's an executive coaching strategic consultant and advisory board member who is always focused on helping people and companies achieve growth beyond expectations. Starting in 2021, Sarah partnered with Rich Cooper to develop Leading Human, a company that which partners with organizations to create better performing teams through individual positive behavior change to drive measurable business results. And here she is, right after these words from our sponsor. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level, while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. Sarah Harper, nice to see you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Sure. Excited to talk to you today. Um, I'm just going to change our pictures for a second just so we can see what people can do. Isn't that so cool? So cool. Um, Everyone zoomed in on, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and you're going to move you around so that you get the the, the pin. Anyway, Sarah, we were talking just a little bit before we started, and you said you've got certain words for the year, and I just wanted to start with that because um, I think it's a really fascinating thing. You don't believe in unicorns. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> you don't believe in <laughs> you don't believe in in New Year's resolutions. I think you said um, or unicorns probably, but you do, but believe in having a sort of focus word for yourself last year it was gratitude well you you tell us tell yes yeah, so, no thank you yeah um it's an interesting place for us to start uh because i'm not sure this is something that i do with regards to coaching per se but i do think from a philosophy standpoint is having um kind of our own kind of what matters to us is where really words came in and i have some friends that i belong to this group with um who have been doing this for years and I was always kind of like, no, 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 I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And last year I was like, all right, I'll try and spend some time noodling around with different words. And my words last year were gratitude, joy, and momentum. And then I realized throughout the year without intentionally meaning it to be so that gratitude is really about, you know, what we have based upon what's happened before where we are today. And joy is kind of an in the moment thing. And momentum is is leaning forward, like what's future, like gaining traction and energy now to, to yeah. move forward. And so then this year, um, I was like, okay, that was great. You know, don't still, that's all good to have, but um, really want to be purposeful this year. You know, really started thinking about focus and intention and acting with purpose, making sure that what I'm doing and my actions are aligning to what I want to be doing. Um, you know, positivity, not not to be false positivity, not to be forced but to try to stay on the positive side of things, when you have a choice to laugh or cry, I always say try to laugh um, when it's a choice. Sometimes it's not. And, and then prosperity. And, and not just from a financial standpoint, why that's, that's true, but prosperity from the standpoint of just growth, spiritual growth, relationships, friendships, whatever that kind of means, but just trying to have some more results from that momentum. That's beautiful. And I, I think it's elegant. I love that word because to me it means that the, an elegant solution is one that has the least amount of variables to get to the same result mm. and for me what you're talking about is like how do you focus your unconscious and get all of your 
working together congruently towards a particular goal. And, and a word choice, when you can narrow it down to a single word that's like your focus for the year or a mm. couple of three words that are fo your focus for the year, I think it really helps you to accomplish those things. So I think it's really, really nicely done. And it also points to something when you said prosperity is not necessarily financial mm. because, um, Sarah, you came from having an MBA and, and going into the whole money thing. Didn't you work for uh, like, well, you, again, you tell us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had worked for, you know, Fidelity Investments um, back in, God, what was it, late 80s, early 90s. So equity research that owned the majority of like public companies. They were incredibly kind of big and powerful. That's how I thought business worked. Having my parents weren't from that background. And then went and got um, an MBA and then went to work for a bank, Citibank, executive training program. So all about financial and business and getting ahead and capitalist society and making more and titles and status um, was really what, you know, I, I thought that I needed, and which was really more about creating stability and security for myself. And as you get mm -hmm. older, and so I started off there and now over the years, I've really started to focus and care more and more about the people side of things. I think so I always gave did. up all that big bucks stuff and you became a coach. Is that yeah, correct? That's, that's kind of where I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I still do some consulting and advising and things, but um, it's definitely a shift from the yeah. standpoint of priorities and what's important and, and frankly, literally putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How did that work out for you? I mean, what was the, um, what was the transition? Because as an example, I teach NLP classes and mm -hmm. hypnosis courses, and I've had people who have come from the financial world through my courses and expect, you know, as soon as they finish the course and get the certification that, you know, boom, they can quit their job and the world will beat a path to their door and they'll be doing NLP sessions with people and hypnosis sessions with people and make just as much money as they made yeah. on Wall Street. And um often find out that's not quite the case. No, it's definitely not the case. <laughs> I think that, um, I don't know that it was a conscious choice. It was one of the questions I, I raised right out of the gate when I was talking to my executive coach who we had been, I had got a news to through my previous company where the, the entire kind of executive team had been working with her. And, you know, when we first started exploring this idea, I was, one, I was like, one, can I be good at this? And two, can I make any money at this? Those are my first two questions to her when I was really exploring it, you know? And the first one was, she said, you're already doing it. She goes, now you'll just have more cool tools and training. She's like, you're already a natural coach. I've seen you do it with teams and people. It's it's your style. It's who you are. I said, well, thank you. That's very kind. Um, and, and definitely love getting the coaching and training around it, right? To, to do it the right way um, or, or one of the right ways. Um, and then making money at it, it, it definitely, it takes time and it takes innovation. Um, and I don't think that it, I think it's also really challenging because most coaches are in a servitude mindset. They want to help others to unpack, to be better and greater. And then, so to sit there and talk about themselves is really hard yeah. in a functional marketing way. Um, Interesting. for myself and with others, right. It's just not a natural, usually instinctual way to go. And it's not about, I think, confidence or respect for what they do. It's the fact of it's an uncomfortable situation when you're trying to dedicate your life to helping others find their journey and their path forward. So, so tell me more about that. Is that, do you feel that that is a worthwhile trade that you feel like you've, you're where you should be now? Is this feel like a, a, a prosperous, a fulfilling place to be? 
Yeah, I think that um, I, there's to me, there's like nothing greater than hanging up with someone usually it's on Zoom or phone calls, most of my coaching and, and feeling like I know that I helped to make a substantial difference right with that person, helping them to find that, right? It's not about giving them their answers or saying this is what it is. But like, to me, I feel like it, it, there's a certain purpose in alignment with vocation and intention in the world. And I think part of that comes from the human connections and the vulnerability that we all can feel. And that's part of the reason I think coaching is so popular. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that for me, it also just resonates in bringing forward the skills, right? One of the things that I know people have said that, you know, cause you have to be right fit for a coach. There's a lot of coaches, a lot of different, they do a lot of different things. I'm really come from having worked in business for 20 some years. I didn't throw that away and be like, let's go just go be a coach now to your point of like some people mm -hmm. say I've worked on wall street, let me just go do, you know, hypnotherapy now. Um, yeah. I try to bring that forward. So, you know, I've had clients say to me, no, I like working with you because you've worked in this seat. You've done similar things. You get what it's like to be here mm -hmm. or you speak the language and can connect those common threads. So awesome. I bring that forward. And some clients, it's, it, it tends to being an advisory role at times more than coaching and just try to be clear about that with people saying, okay, well, stepping out of the coaching role for a minute, if that's okay, you know, kind of getting permission and saying, is that okay? And saying, here's an example of something that I did, if this is helpful. Gotcha. Or saying, I'm going to give you an idea of something that I've seen in the past. It's not important that you take that idea. It's important to consider it and decide, is that something you want to do or is something you don't want to do? And that consideration gives you a, plant, a place to make a decision mm -hmm. versus just blue sky. I think it's really hard sometimes to come up with ideas or path forward when it's just anything and everything could be the answer. So I think giving some people some strategic advisement and then just, I said, trying to be ethically clear around when that's happening, you yeah. know, um, yeah. is important, that's but, but that's part of, you know, I, I think that there's frankly a market need for, um, if someone wanted to go build it for just classifying coaches and saying, you know, what are the different kinds of coaches that there are? And if there's some sort of valuation criteria, I don't really love the ranking idea because you could have one person have one bad experience and blow everything up, but some sort of here to say like, <clears throat> okay, great. Focus more on people who are in transitions and changing and from a business perspective, right? Where other people are like, okay, I'm more dealing with all these different aspects of my life and how do I network balance together? Right. So I, I, I just think that there's, it's really confusing for people yeah. to through all the kinds of coaches that are out there. So, so, I so if, you, if you had a word for the type of coach that you are, what would you say that you are? I'd say transitions. A transitions coach. Yeah, executive coach, or but that's so broad. But I think everyone I tend to really work with is people who are doing a transition. Either they're stepping away from, I've worked with CEOs, COO, CMOs who either hate their jobs or like, I could keep doing this, but I don't love it. Mm -hmm. They wanted to find their purpose and where they wanted to go with the direction or um, are doing a certain, they just got hired into a new role, right? And now they're trying to step into this new role and figure it out and navigate it or they're um, looking to, to kind of get to the next, next. they're doing a certain job and they're like, I want it, this role. I want to be doing this other role, this other thing over here. So they're always in a state of change or transition. Cool. No, I like it. So a transition coach, so you, you really help people to do what you did, which is to transition from one pretty all-encompassing kind of career to something else that has linkages because you make the linkages. Um, mm -hmm. right? You you. Yeah. Carry some yeah. things over consciously, you'd make a decision to do that. Yes. But it really is, you made a huge transition from that 
previous life to, to this one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's harder, harder than you think it might be, right, at times, but it's, it's rewarding and positive at all in the same, the same breath. Oh, absolutely. It's harder, for sure. Yeah, it's harder, you, you know. Yeah, if you if you knew how hard it would be, you wouldn't do it, right? It's true with a lot uh, of things. Uh, yes, it is true with a lot of things. It's, it's true with a lot of vacations. It's like vacations, uh, children, pets, <laughs> you name it. Yeah. Yeah, that's really true. Doesn't mean you wouldn't still do it, but it still is just harder than you think it will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. No, I remember um, sitting. I'm I'm in the living room of my little house up here, and there's a fold-up couch here that I ended up sleeping on for about four months when I started painting my bedroom. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it would be that long of a job, but holy Toledo. And yeah, I'm glad I did it, but man, halfway through there, I was thinking, what the heck? It took four months to paint your bedroom? Well, it was complicated. It feels like it. I'm like knocking down walls and finding walls and doing all kinds of things. To, to, Something like that. I, what I discovered was that the people who owned this little place before we did, um, had wallpapered the room um, mm. and then put the trim up around the windows and the floor. Ah, so, yeah. so it wasn't easy to take that stuff down again. Um, yeah, so it, it got complicated. That's just understood. Yeah. <laughs> I might be exaggerating slightly when I say four months. Nevertheless, let's understood. talk about you. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk about painting and wallpapering too. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. always fun. It'd be a different title of the podcast, I think. Definitely true. But it would be about transitions. So there's be about transitions. It would be tra- I do tend to paint a room or do something when I'm going through a transition, a major change. Oh, do you really? Yeah, yeah. I think there's something, and uh, over my life, I think it'll evolve to include more with regards to creativity. Right, finding this. I love the term, create the space. Uh-huh. It just keeps calling to me at different times, and I think to help create the space for people to do those things to allow them permission, you know, to, to, you know, it's like, if I may be so bold as to give you permission to Mm -hmm. take the space, take the time, take the pause in your life. It doesn't have to be as dramatic as changing and shifting careers um, from, from one thing that you've been doing for so long to something else, but that, that space to allow yourself that freedom to uncover who you really are Mm. is it's, it's like some expression that I read that, longer but you know it's like you're not lost you're not a ten dollar bill in last winter's coat pocket right you're someone who's trying to excavate themselves from years of expectations of yourself or society and conditioning and life and really trying to find that so those spaces and those moments are where i think us as individuals are allowed to come through and so i think there's something to the creativity that comes through in that moment because it's so different for many of us, not for all of us, but for many of us who work in more the business side of things and strategic side of things, to have that real true creativity. Um, so for me, when things are changing, it gives me a place and a way to be focused and exercise energies without having, without dwelling so much on what's going on. It's like almost like background processing it. It's creating that space. And otherwise I would jump in and, you know, be jumping into the next thing versus being like, you know what, just, just be in the dining room. Just paint the dining room. Yeah. Paint the dining room, you know. Paint the dining room. So yeah. let me ask you about that, because that's fascinating to me. That 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 seems awfully in keeping with what your partner Rich Cooper's been doing for a long time, which is mm-hmm. to have metaphorical experiences for people to mm-hmm. to help change. So um 
what I'm talking about. One of the things that I, I, I did with Rich Cooper many years ago was a, a pamper pole um, where you'd run up, climb up to the top of a 50 foot pole, stand okay. on the top of it with a, with a harness on, and yeah. then and then leap out from there to catch a trapeze. And that yeah. was um, fun. But, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, Very, yeah. but that wasn't the point. The point was that, you know, you were, you were doing something metaphorical that's analogous to something you do in life. You know, you, you go out uh, and take a risk and then you leap out for a, a bowl and, you know, you grab on and there's strategies involved and there's um, yeah. stories that you can tell yourself about whether you catch the trapeze or not. Um, all sorts of metaphorical experiences. And Rich went on from there to do a whole business full of these things mm -hmm. where he'd take people out on boats, et cetera. Um, so it's team building through sailing a ship. Yep. Interesting things. And then you partnered with him just a couple, three years ago, right? Right. So Rich and I met through um, one of my coaching clients who's CEO of an international technology company, knew Rich for a long time, who we had also been a client, a friend of, of his company. Lead USA. And um, so she said, I think the two of you should meet. And and because of COVID, and since Rich had been doing so many experiential um, type things, like you said, going on boats and sailing or jumping off poles or doing different board breaks and things like that, mm -hmm. that uh, he had to kind of reinvent his business and really was showed up for people in a way to create space for them there, right? And to create for supportive of health and wellness um, in combination with the factor of he would do these high intense, you know, workshops or sessions or things and then walk away and had always mm -hmm. looked for an opportunity to say, how could we extend that? Right. Because repetition and reflection helps with the learning. There's high emotion, high engagement intensity can, can cause some of the learning and transformation. But to have it really stick over time, you need to also do some of that change over time. Mm -hmm. and so he and I partnered together with regards to, you know, coaching happens kind of over time. I've worked on building repeatable, scalable, profitable businesses. And so how does he take the business that he'd been doing experiential work and then what he learned during COVID is we met in the middle of COVID and, and trying to create more of this programmatic um, offerings and then coaching things together. And so that's how we form Leading Human, which typically have, you know, a kickoff kind of thing that might have, it's more experiential or more engaged and involved. Um, and then over our programs are typically we have eight weeks that focus on different factors that take people through a commonality of um, experiences and language on a topic mm -hmm. along with then they get a couple of coaching sessions during that. So they can take the information and say, okay, are you applying this? How is this working for you? What's not working and kind of problem solve with them on a one-to-one -one basis. Yeah. Right. So, so one of the topics, for example, could be individual growth, right? So helping people, to have individual growth and how do they create the right mindset and the right culture to support that. And so we break those down into segments and have like a playbook for them and do assessments and they get individual daily coaching from them. From you personally? No, we have a system that we work with, a technology system that we deploy that it's based on the assessments of the individual. Uh -huh. So they get you know pushed out to them every day, a tip about themselves and they can get a tip about how best to work with another teammate. If they sync it with their calendars, they can go through that and look to see um, that it'll give those tips on someone they're meeting that day. Otherwise, it'll just be someone who's on your team and it has additional resources you can go through. But I can also see as like a coach, 
where they're sitting on that perspective, how it relates to the, the goal, right? We're trying to accomplish over those eight weeks to help drive some of those behavior changes and work with them to understand what's helpful or what's working, what's not. How, how is this showing up for them? How are they able to use this and leverage it? It's just that kind of little bit more of like a daily support to help that repetition and reflection to drive that, that, drive that change. Well, that's great. So what does LEAD stand for? Does L-E-A-D, LEAD USA, now it's LEAD in human, your company? Right. So, it, so it's a combination of taking LEAD USA from Rich's business and then saying like bringing in more of that human piece to it, right? So it's keeping the LEAD from LEAD USA. Right. And so for leading human. Elliot, does it stand for something? Is it an acronym? It is an acronym that Rich can tell you exactly what it is. I forget what it is. I should know what it stands for because it's, but it's his, that's part of Lead USA that we didn't carry over, right? We kept to kind of make the continuity between Lead USA and leading human. Yeah. Because we put humanity into everything we do, right? I talked about using technology, right, for part of it, but it's still looked at and reviewed by a human. It's still engaged with from a human perspective. We don't, want anything to we don't think that the best way right now people need more human connection they need more reason to talk and be involved mm -hmm. um, we've had clients say i just love it because it's like it's for us it's a way for us to connect as as humans and people and not just on the practical and the work it gives us some breathing room in our day and our week and coming together um so it's been it's been really rewarding I really enjoy the the group part of that and working with the corporations. Cool. That's great. And, you know, working with corporations is something that um, many of us say we would love to do because um, but they, they've got the money and the corporations right. have, right. have money. So it's nice to be able to get into the corporate mm -hmm. world like that. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any advice for people who might want to take their coaching into the corporate world? Yeah. So I'd say... Um, Macro and micro, which is a horrible thing, but that I'll, I'll tie back to a second. So um, macro, I'd say, is working with, um, and, and Rich and I have just been doing some more in the last six months or so, trial and error on this point too, but working, that's where I would offer technology as, as a friend to use, right? So looking at how do you do leverage Google, LinkedIn, and those kind of things to do the macro to reach out to many people, because that's very much a numbers game, right, to, to reach out and talk to um and offering services because it's it's really getting people at the right time when they need something so there you can find somebody who's actively seeking and looking and then I, from the micro perspective i'd say is the one-on-ones talking to people that you know following up understanding and really understanding what the business challenges are that they're having and how you might address it and realizing where you will and where you can't right so there's a lot of um respect for mm -hmm. people and say you know no you know we actually that's not that's not our area of expertise. That's not something that you'd really want to hire us or bring us into to doing. Um, oh, that's nice. that's you know, well, but if you see that creates some honesty, then it's like, okay, great. Then you know when it does make sense to step in. Right, exactly. Do you have other people that you'd say, you know, that doesn't work for us, but use another coaching organization you might recommend? Or Yeah, we have a whole, um, because, you know, with coaching, it's so... I don't know. It, it, you need so many at sometimes and sometimes not so much. So we have a whole roster of coaches that we work with. Okay. Um, so for example, if you want to do DEI, we are not probably the right, like we support it, we're bored with it, but um, we're probably not, we're not the experts with that, right? So we have other people that we would refer out to work with. What does DEI stand for? Uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Oh uh, yeah, of course. I knew that. Right. So it's, it's, we're not experts in that. There's plenty of people who are. 
and it's important and it's important to get right. And it's important, I think, to have the right leaders yeah, doing right. it and, and, and coaches. And so we're not going to look to me or Rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While. Gotcha. So that's very, that's very, very interesting. So you have a background in the corporate world. Um, if somebody such as myself who started off as a musician and went up through NLP and hypnosis, you know, with I, I, I think I was work, worked in a corporation one day. <laughs> yeah, I, I painted the walls. I think of one corporation one time. Um, yeah. but, but if could could I make a case to a corporation that even with the skill sets that I have from coaching, that I would be able to help a corporation work better? Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a great question, right? Because it's something that in the outside, hard to, to always know. And I'd say absolutely yes. If anything, that's more of the advantage, right? So because so much of what they get is what they've already got because they're looking at it through the lens of who they are, whereas coming in from a different perspective and a different mindset. And I do think there's certain corporations are not open to this, but there's more openness than ever before. Hmm. You know, companies are seeking and looking for as AI comes in and is taking over many professions and jobs. So artificial intelligence, right? So as yeah. the computers are getting which is really right now is still at the stage of machine learning, meaning that, you know, machines are given information and they learn based on that information. And the learning is, is the building of data sets and algorithms. But um, back to the question, but it's like, you know, they go through and do machine learning more. So they need people who are focused on asking questions, creativity, innovation, collaboration, right? So mm. who can do those things frankly better than a musician who you have to have creativity, what you're doing, innovation, how you're getting it done, collaboration with other musicians, right? But because you're still following music sometimes and sometimes you're creating your own. It depends on what kind of musician you are. Um, mm -hmm. So I think having that external perspective really helps. I know that when I was in the seat or I was buying these more kinds of things, you know, we bought and worked with a company that, that tried to teach storytelling, mm -hmm. helping people to better understand how to tell stories. And they were, um, you know, Broadway actors that came and taught the courses gotcha. in New York City. So, you know, I definitely think there's a huge openness to that. I do think that it's the right audience, though, just like anything else. That's really good. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I'm soon on this podcast, I will have as a guest a guy named Robert McKee, who is um, famous for storytelling. Mm -hmm. He wrote a book called Story and has uh, taught classes in storytelling for many, many years, mostly focused on actually completely focused on um, storytelling within a movie set. So he was writing screenplays and many mm -hmm. of his students have mm -hmm. written Academy Award winning screenplays, et cetera. And he has now gotten into um, how to tell stories for business, basically, for, for marketing purposes, certainly, but also for within a business structure. How do you, how does a CEO use story to, to inspire his his workers to, to work better. How does, how does story, you know, help a company to be more together as a company? I think that's really interesting that um, use that, that you use that as an example, because that goes right along with metaphors mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. things that we were, that Rich and you've been doing. Yeah. I mean, stories are so important, right? Having a really good storyteller who knows how to tell that arc. I think those pauses, think of it. I mean, you know, one of the things I think, you know, people who listen to this will walk away with, they'll remember you talking about climbing up that pole and then trying to leap off into the trapeze, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone can picture themselves 
if they pause, you know, for a second, thinking about that trepidation of climbing up and down, either they've maybe they've done something like that before, or they haven't done it like that, or they're afraid of heights, or they're not. So some people think that's terrifying, others are exhilarated, whatever. But they're going to put themselves in that situation, right? Because you're sharing that personal story, and and if you will, they will do so even more now that you've reflected upon it. <laughs> Repetition and reflection is key. To, it, is key. it is key. It really it is. is key. No, and I know. Right? Yep. Yeah. And that's why that's why you can get into corporations. That's why you can do work with people and, and help them to get even better over time. Because one, you know, intense experience is great or any sort of experience is great. We learn from experience and to, to think about it and reflect upon it over time and to, to repeat it and re-engage in it and decipher its meaning just gets it into your bones in a way that yeah. not doing it yeah. wouldn't. Well, and, and finding those times and spaces that people can actually practice it and use it, right? So right. it's very easy to just talk about something and say, you know, right, here's a growth mindset. Here's how you do it. Here's how you think about it, whatever. Have a nice day, right? So you really have to take the time to stop and engage the people in the time frame to think about what that means. How can, what's an example of one thing they can do to change? What's one, let's do it right now and involving the people even then. And then, you know, following up you know, a week later, okay, give us an example of how you did that, you know, and we really, sometimes we create programs where we buddy people up. So mm -hmm. every accountability partner outside of the group, so they can kind of almost double the impact of what they're doing. Because if you teach something to someone else, yeah. you learn differently, and you also remember differently, right? So we encourage them to share what they're learning with somebody else in the organization, and then come back and reflect, okay, great, who did you share it with this week? How did that work? Or where did you use it this week? What happened? What didn't happen? Mm -hmm. Um, so that's part of the eight-week cadence, right, is to make sure that there's some time to actually use it and reflect upon it. Because if you just go and do the one and done, you know, you may apply it the next day or so. And if you have a positive experience, then you may internalize it. Mm -hmm. But if not, it's just kind of words on a page, right? Think of how many words on a page or videos we all watch every day. You have to, it has to be personalized and ingrained in yourself, which yeah, also include the coaching, right? So then yeah. sitting down with someone and really having that accountability, but also they're allowed to be vulnerable because it's one-on-one. -on -one. They don't have to try to show that transparency and vulnerability in front of a whole team of people to say, oh, you know, we focus on recognition. Like, I, I didn't give any recognition. I don't know how to start that conversation. I don't know how to ask people about that, mm. right? Wow. But they're not going to say that in front of a group of people because they don't want to seem incompetent or unable. That's brilliant. Do you, uh, do you work with a lot of individuals? Do you do coaching outside of the corporate world? I do. I do. I have um, like a roster of coaches that I work with. I mean, clients that I work yeah, with. Yeah, I call them coaches too, but yeah, um, I'm the, the coach. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that too. There's that. Yeah, but then that's that's different. But um, yes, yes, that have all generally just through personal referrals, right? And people uh -huh. that I know and that I work with. Um, I haven't been strategic, like I mentioned before, with the micro and the macro on my own personal stuff. It's really, that's been more focused on the leading human side of things. Well, maybe this year will be a good year for that. And <laughs> just, maybe. I'm, I'm excited. I really am excited for the new year. I, I've said that, you know, I keep feeling almost the sense of being pulled forward towards something. And I think we all are, right? Like, mm -hmm. I just think you have to be open and willing to tap into that and that and that kind of positivity to that. And um, again, not forced positivity. It's okay to have times where it's not. Um, but when you have the choice to really to choose to be more on the, on the positive side and, and what is there to, to take away is the positivity from it. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. So when you do individual coaching, is it also transitional coaching? Do you still 
feel that you are in that same role as a transition? Yeah, very much so. I mean, even more so, I'd say, than the leading human, because the leading human stuff tends to be applied back what we're doing. We have a culture productivity score that has six main drivers of kind of creating a productive culture. Um, and it has to do like, you know, number one is your boss. I mean, if you've ever worked a place and you didn't like your boss or they didn't like you, the rest of your job is pretty hard, right? But if you walk into the room and think, oh, gee, my manager has my back and they're going to fight for me for responsibilities, projects, compensation, et cetera, then you're going to lean in and be more engaged. That's the number one thing, right? And so then from there goes individual growth, communication, team dynamics, recognition, and then happiness at work. And so depending on where a company scores and how well they're doing across those six factors will define which module they kind of need, right? And then we provide, that's the measurement mentioned earlier, okay. as having those scores and measuring those same people over time to say what changed, what shifted. So then the coaching for that lines back up, right? Okay. So then it's much yeah. more focused around a topic, whereas my clients are much more, tends to be about the transitional. You know, companies don't typically hire you to say, yeah, hey, CEO's not sure he wants to be a CEO anymore. What should you go do with this? Thing? Right. Yeah. Right. No, they don't. Be more out of their kind of their own kind of focus and pocket. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Huh. So if you were to tell us to me that this is this podcast is called the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. And um, I started it thinking there are skills that are essential to coaching, in my book at least, that often coaches don't get. Mm. And so I was thinking, well, what? are essential coaching skills, you know, skills that you kind of have to have in order to be good at coaching, mm. you know, and, uh, and I tried to ask everybody at some point during these, these interviews, um, what do you consider to be an essential coaching skill? I think the number one is to not have an ego about it when you walk into it. For me, it's one of those freeing things about it. Um, but that you don't walk in thinking you have to have the answer or you have to know all the right questions or you have to have the expectations because you have to be open enough to, to where the conversation is going to go, to what's going to happen. Um, and if you walk in with an expectation or wanting to have the answers, I think you're being set up for failure yourself and the client, or just not at least not getting to as much potential as possible. I really okay. think that's key to, um, you know, which for me, like I said, is very freeing. I always felt in corporate America, they had to walk in and, and prove myself and prove the value of what I could contribute versus walking in and figuring out how do we help to get the next best solution from everyone involved and engaged. Um, right. So I think that that's, that's the most essential. That's thing. great. So it's more of a partnership rather than saying, I've got all the answers. Yeah. Me. Yeah. It's funny. Somebody said, one of my coaching clients to me recently said, I said, something about like, Oh, that's interesting. Wow. I just learned some shit. Wait, so you get stuff out of this too? I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, it's like we give what we need. Yeah. I, I love doing coaching because I also, I learned so much. I learned, just learned how different people's lives. I, I mean, I love reading any book that'll walk me through a life I'll never get to live. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so read a book from World War II. That's an interesting thing or something from like the Middle East and growing up what it's like there, because I, I would just, that's not an experience. I might visit there, but I, not that time, not that person or place. Right. Mm -hmm. So Coaching for me and very much does that same thing. You get to have, I, I feel very honored that people will let me go alongside with them in the journey to getting to where, wherever it is they're going next, you know? And I, cause I think it's very hard as an individual to think of the questions, answer the questions and think of the next question, right? Because you're, you're so vested in it. Mm -hmm. But if you have who's coming from the outside, 
who doesn't have an ego to have to be like, oh, I have the right answer or I'm going to get you this brilliant solution, but to really just show up with full intention and full presence uh-huh. and listen and then ask the questions, I think is, um, you know, the greatest gift we can give someone is our time. So to show up for someone fully and give our time is, you know, rewarding. And I thank you for giving me the time today. Awesome. <laughs> And I think that's that's a brilliant answer. I think that is really, to, in my mind at least, um, truly what coaching is different, different from consulting, as an example. Mm-hmm. If you're a consultant, you better have the answers. You know, they are paying you to have those answers. Mm-hmm. So when you walk in there, you better be like the guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and um, But coaching is a different thing. You're not a consultant when you're a coach. Right. You're, you're a co-player, if you will, or you're a co-creator mm-hmm. with, with your with your client and Mm -hmm. um, when you go into that coaching relationship it is about that you know entering into that space the holding Mm -hmm. space as you say Mm -hmm. for um, for transformation or transition or whatever it might be and you don't know you're not telling them what to do you're 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 guiding you're assisting you're you're a catalyst for change you're asking the right questions that gets them to the answer that's right for them yeah. Yeah. And I think, I do think that having some sort of coaching training, there's exceptions, but in general, I think it's helpful because it helps you to create that space to ask those questions, to think what the questions are, or to have a toolkit. You know, like there's a great um, core value out- outcome exercise that helps people get to what's the core or drive people who spin and have like a negative cycle of anxiety sometimes. We've dealt with this with hypnotherapy is you can go through and if they really start to unpack it and keep asking themselves what's at the core of it, what's really their driving mm-hmm. kind of negative outward behavior, it's ultimately for everyone gets to the same thing. It's either, they call it different stuff, but it's the same thing. It's peace or love or calm. It's the center goal that they're trying to seek as a human, Sure. but it's gotten wrapped up in these other cycles of negativity. And so once you help them understand what's at the core and they are able to bring that back to every stage and level, you can literally dissipate in the course of like an hour because you're not trying to change the behavior of the person to get them to stop thinking that way or acting that way. You're getting to what is the core that's driving them to feel that way. And so that anyways, but that's an example of a skill or something that was taught during coaching training that I found incredibly beneficial that I would not know of how to do on my own. That is just asking a series of questions and that does have a guide, but that's when somebody says, oh, I want to do this. And I set up a separate session to do just that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. No, there's, there's those exact, exact same sorts of um, processes in neurolinguistic programming. Um, Connie Ray Andreas created one called uh, Core Transformation, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. ex- exactly that. And yes, when people get down into that core, it's basically the same thing mm-hmm. with different names, you know, some mm-hmm. We'll call it, you know, universal consciousness. Some people might mm-hmm. call it, you know, God source, or might people call it the universe, or yeah. um, you know, but it seems to be that same core space. And you know, different traditions get into how how to get there for different ways, but um, ultimately, it does seem to be universal that everyone wants to get there, and that is the thing that um, we share. Yeah, by, by different names, but we can help get there. Yeah, I mean, but how great, I mean, how amazing is that? I mean, you just stop and think about that, right? Like, think of all the conflict that we have with individual people in and yeah. world. That at I the know. end of the day, if you just take a pause and to take every person and have them be seen and heard, 
enough, they'll get to this place. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. I mean, some exceptions, but in general that, that we will. And so it's that idea that that's really the motivation behind things. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and for me, again, in the world of NLP, the, one of the basic presuppositions of NLP is that every behavior has a, a positive intention. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like you said, it doesn't have to be airy-fairy, cutesy-wootsy positivity, but it's, it's a positive intention. Right. You know, right. It's usually to get somewhere closer to that core space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it can have, doesn't mean we, we can have bad behaviors to get there. Yeah, absolutely. We're acting out of fear, right? Yeah, like when you stop right, right. And, and you lean back and figure out how do you, how do you approach it from a more positive, love, peaceful core place. Right. Look, I'm not pretending I do it all the time either. Right. <laughs> I'm not saying that I just walk around in this ray of sunshine and peace and core, but it's helpful then to have those tools to know that you can go there and that it does exist. Yeah. Yeah. And the more you, the more you practice getting there, the more often you can. But yes, yeah, clearly, you know, somebody once said, "If you, I think it was even some somebody like Mahatma Gandhi said, if, if, if you want to test how evolved you are, go spend a weekend with your mother." Um, yeah, with <laughs> some mother-in-law, right? Mother-in-law like, too, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh gosh. That's why I think somewhat some you know we've just gone through the the, the holidays. Um, for a lot of people, this is a very difficult time mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. going through because because of family. You know, we love them to death, but you know it, it brings out some of our old stuff that isn't necessarily the most evolved stuff that we've got. Yeah, I heard somebody once say, um, uh, "Your family knows how to push your buttons because they installed them." <laughs> yeah, that's good. Right? That's good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today, Sarah. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm really honored you had me. Thank you. It's it's our, our great pleasure. And just real quickly, although this will be, of course, in the written notes and things, um, if somebody wants to get hold of you, mm-hmm. how, how would they go about uh, doing it? The best way I'd say is Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at leading, L-E-A-D-I-N-G, dash human, H-U-M-A-N.com. So Sarah at leading dash human.com. Beautiful. Well, thank you very much, Sarah. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. Let me just figure out where my little um, outro is here. <laughs> Push the right button and we'll we'll get out of here. See you again real soon. Thank you so much. You too. Be well. This has been the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure seeing you again. Hope to see you again real soon. Come back next week when we have another gripping and exciting episode of the Central Coaching Skills Podcast. And if you want to, you can find out more about us, each and every one of us, at EssentialCoachingSkills.com. Thanks. Thanks.